Is your business suffering from so what syndrome? When you look at your branding and be honest with yourself, does it fall flat? What you really want is for people who encounter your business to say, aha, you don't say, and be compelled to click that button or pick up the phone. If you're ready to become an aha brand, give Left Brain Right Brain Marketing a call at 503-961-3647 or check us out online at lbrbm.com. So here's the story. Normandy Gwajewski is born in August of 1935. Her mother, Joanna, and both of her grandmothers, or we call them in Polish, Bobcha and Busha, Anastasia and Adeline, played a big role in creating the person she grew to become, my ma, and my sisters too, actually. All of them are strong, fierce women. And let's give credit where it's due. Her dad, my idol and gramp, Stan, also played a role, but that's a different story. Today, we're talking moms. And when it comes to that, I got to tell you, I won the lottery. Here's the thing that kind of blows my mind when I think about my parents. I'm the youngest of six, and my parents had us all by the time they were 30. I mean, I can't even imagine having six kids within eight years, what that must have been like. And uh, sadly, I believe there was also a miscarriage in there, so I could have been number seven. Is that right, mom? Yes. Yes, it is. And, you know, my mom actually wanted more kids than that. So the legend goes. But I think when I was born, she figured she'd go out with a win. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> she's, she's seen it all through the years. Good, bad, sad. And she was a teacher, too. So I witnessed her mother classrooms full of kids uh, that she taught and mentored at every level, the elementary university and high school level level because now at the spry age of 85 she's still substitute teaching at the town high school where she lives so if you haven't guessed today i'm talking with my ma the incomparable normandy Byrne, about where what she's learned seen struggled through celebrated and witnessed through five generations of mothers and what wisdom she continues to pass on to the young moms in her life so, Ma, thanks for talking today and sharing all of this stuff that you've lived through. Um, let's start and talk about your mom. Why don't you tell me about her? Well, <laughs> number one, you should remember my only gift is talking. So I'll <laughs> talk, all right? Right. <laughs> no, my mother was uh, an extremely beautiful example of what a woman could be. And I have to say that uh, she was kind of a little bit ahead of her time because when my sister and I were growing up, she was the only working mom. So, uh, so when you were born, she was 25. She was born in 1910. Yeah. So she was 25 when you came along. You were the first That's born. Correct. So anyway. And what, what is amazing to me is I was born at the height of the Depression and I still have my parents' wedding picture, and they look so thrilled to be getting married at that horrible time in mm -hmm. history. But somehow they figured it out. And my mom uh, always uh, 
had the right thing to say, did the right thing, and also was an example of everything that a woman could be at that time. I think that if she was born in my generation, she probably could have been a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, uh, name it. So, so what do you mean? How so? Because she was brilliant. She learned everything. When she uh, went to work, for example, for the Farnsworth Labs, she learned everything that was going on in the lab. She learned everything that needed to be learned to manage the entire office and do accounting and human resource management, although it wasn't called that back in those days. And then she would come home and be our mommy. And she made sure that my sister and I had our vitamins every night. She would say, come on and get your sunshine, girls. And she would have a spoonful of cod liver oil and uh, ascorbic acid and a little bit of orange juice to kill this taste of the uh, uh, cod liver oil. But she was a fabulous mom. And she would then, over the weekend, cook beautiful Sunday dinners, soup from scratch. She would, she created first communion parties for my sister and I and had a sit-down dinner for massive amounts of relatives. And she managed to do all this and never looked tired. And I'm sure she was exhausted a good good stretch of the time. Right. And uh, she and my dad, that was, they were each the love of each other's life. No getting around mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay. A little for clump. Because they would, they would come, uh, for example, to First Friday Mass when all of it, the whole school would have to go to church for Mass and Holy Communion. And they, she would, they would go there before she had to go to work. He worked nights. She worked days. And they would kiss goodbye in church. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, I, I thought that was kind of, you know, uh, Something I wasn't, uh, I, I kind of uh, blanched at that. But then when I think back on it, I think it was sensational that they yeah. did that. Yeah. Now, and, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, and the, I was just going to say, what? Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. But everything, every recital, every uh, special class day that we had, she was always there. She would be there. She would pack us a lunch every day because we had to eat lunch in school, which we weren't crazy about. But she managed to do all of that for us, too. I mean, I can't imagine the amount of love in her to get all of that done. Yeah. Yeah. So my, where I, what I was going to ask is, like, how old were you when you started to kind of become aware of how different your mom was from, like, your friend's mothers. Oh, extremely different. I mean, like how old, how old were you when you started to notice that? I probably, you know, sixth, seventh and eighth grade, because almost all of my friend's moms were, uh, were stay at home moms. And uh, those kids would always go home for lunch, you know, from school and everything. And then during the summer, <laughs> We had my dad work nights, my mom worked days, and uh, my dad had to sleep during the day. And so my sister and I had fun all summer long, roaming around the whole neighborhood. 
which you can't do these days. I think you probably could, but you know, it's all yeah. frowned upon. But anyway, uh, I started to notice that when uh, our mother very nicely explained the facts of life to my sister and I each separately so that we wouldn't be afraid, uh, for example, when we got our very first period, menstrual period. And she showed us where this, the things were that we needed. And at that time, you know, he didn't give a, an eighth grader Tampax or anything like that. But she showed me, you know, where everything was and, you know, what to do and everything so that we wouldn't be afraid. And then she also ex- explained to us how babies are born. And I thought, oh, my God, that's really something. But she did it, and it, it was interesting because she did it in very clinical terms. She used all the proper medical terminology for everything. So, well, maybe, a- maybe, maybe she she might have been a doctor because it seemed like you know she passed away when I was five, I think, right, nineteen seventy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, one of the best memories I have of her was Thanksgiving morning. And she would come down to our, cause they lived upstairs from us. We had a two flat and she would come down and get the Turkey going with all of us kids. And she like made it an operating theater. And we, she was the head doctor. We all had parts in the surgery to make the Turkey. And so maybe, maybe that was where she would have gone had she been born 20 years later. 30 years oh, later. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I know that the, the getting the turkey ready was a big, hairy deal because I tried to continue that uh, for Thanksgivings when we were at my sister's for Thanksgiving. And the girls would come with me the night before and we'd do all of that and get the turkey prepared the next day. And what used to crack me up is that my sister would always say, one of these days you have to show me how to do that. And that day never came. <laughs> But that was okay because it's not too late. Was. You're both still around, right? <laughs> no, for sure. But I don't. Yeah, yeah I, I think we passed the baton to the younger girls now. But right. uh, those were traditions I tried to keep for my kids, and I think they enjoyed that too. Yeah. And so, in in your household back in the day, not like it is now, where families are just all spread out. I live out on the West coast, Mary mm-hmm. Jane's down in LA and Texas and all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, families, particularly, I, I, I guess I'm speaking from my own ethnic experience, um, from a Polish, um, mm-hmm. a family, a family with Polish roots, everybody on both sides of the family pretty much lived within six miles of each other. And most of us went to the same church. And so when you were a kid, um, I'm sure it was probably even more so, right? Oh, yeah. Um, For us, everything uh, from uh, 35th Street to 22nd Street or the tracks or the coal, coal mines. And from like about Halsted Street to Ashland, that was our world. And there was a parish uh, for every ethnic group within that world. And there were two uh, parishes, Polish parishes, 
are St. Mary's and St. Barbara's, which actually was started with, by my grandparents, Nick and Adeline Paveski. And Adeline was a trip too. And I think that we're all, we all have some of her genes in us because we're all tough broads at this stage. <laughs> okay. So and that, that kind of. My, my great granddaughter, I said to my daughter, she's one of us. Yeah. <laughs> so. We'll get there. But uh, that kind of segues into Anastasia and Adeline. They were always around when you were growing up. And yes. what, what impact and what, did you learn and what did you see about their relationships with um, your grandfathers? Okay. Uh, the, the two were very different. Uh, so so let me, let me, let me, let me hit the brakes just for a second. So mm -hmm. Anastasia was Bakja, right? Right. And she was, and she was born. Dad's... She was born in 1879. Yes. And Adeline was Busha. Yes. Born in 1889. So yes. just to put a little time frame on things. Yeah, and uh, Anastasia uh, and, and Walter had a very different marriage than Nick and Adeline did. And uh, Anastasia died when I was a, a, a little kid, about seven, and my sister was about five. And But she was so sweet and soft-spoken, Anastasia was. And she uh, was very subservient to my grandfather. As a matter of fact, when, when they got married, they never even had a courtship. He, um, he saw her working, uh, 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 doing piecework at the stockyards in the sausage place. <laughs> and he saw that she was cute and she was very quiet and obeyed. And everything else. So what he did was go to her parents and said, I like her and I want to marry her. And they said, oh, all right. So <laughs> that was it. There was no special, you know, him getting on his knee or anything. I can't even imagine him ever doing that because yeah, yeah. he was a flinty, tough little man. But uh, so and she went right to, to his his uh, home and she bore him 12 children nine of which survived the uh there were there were three who who uh, died in you know one one was a toddler and two were died at birth but uh or, or shortly after so but she kept all these things within her and i know that she loved her children dearly i i i understand it when my dad was growing up and and my uncle wally the youngest of the nine Will vouch would have vouched for this as well, that she would save little pieces of fruit for those guys when they were working, so that when they came home they had a little special treat and things like that. And uh, she was just, you know, never complained or anything like that. And we would go there and visit on Sundays, and she would have a nickel for us because we came to visit and things like that. And Busha, uh, she. Uh, my mother's mother lived um, uh, downstairs of us on Loomis Street in Chicago in Bridgeport. And this would be and, Adeline. Uh, yeah, and that would be Adeline. And she and my grandfather had a much different relationship. There was more equality in that relationship. And I think they really loved each other very much because I know when my grandpa Nick uh, developed a goiter, he had to have surgery, 
and uh, they didn't have health insurance at that time. So what she did, she went to work at what they called a, a midnight stenographer. And those were the old Polish ladies that would go uh, take the bus downtown at night and clean the office buildings. So they called them midnight stenographers for that. But she saved up money from that job and had, had my grandfather's operation paid for when he went in. And he, 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 I remember the scar he had, as a matter of fact, that he was uh, cured of that thanks to her. So they had a real good working relationship. And, so, uh, so Adeline had a lot of the qualities, it sounds like, that your mom had, which obviously yes. she probably, that's where she got them from, Joanna. That's right. That's um, right. And then it, it rolled downhill to you, and I can testify to all of my sisters yeah. <laughs> and, and blood nieces, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. But so, um, how how was how what was the dynamic like in terms of um, when they were at the house for things for parties or events or celebrations or whatever? And obviously, with Anastasia, you didn't probably have a whole lot of memory of that no. because she was gone so early in your life. But with yes. Adeline. Um, in terms of her mother-daughter relationship with your mom? They had a really good relationship. And I will tell you this, my mother took care of her mother till her last breath. And I remember as that. A result, yep. And as, as a result of uh, her devoting so much time to her, because uh, she started to get a little a, a bit of dementia toward the end of her days and things like that. And she also had ulcerated legs that my mother would change the bandages on her all the time and really took excellent care of her to the detriment of her own health. Because shortly after uh, Busha died, uh, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, so there was hardly any time to do for mm -hmm. her like, like she did for her mother, mm -hmm. but uh, there was. Uh, excuse me, okay. this is tough. Uh, I'm sorry. That's okay. But, I'll pause. Uh, we uh, we tried. Uh, my sister and I tried to do as much as we could for our mother when she was sick. But she, even through that, she wasn't working for that last year of her life. So what she did was have uh, lunch for uh, for you kids. So you could mm -hmm. come home uh, for lunch, which was a, a kind of a hike from St. Mary's School to where we lived in, on Loomis Street. But nonetheless, she always had everything ready for you guys. And of course, that's when your relationship with grandpa developed <laughs> into right. what it was, which was beautiful. Yeah. So she, uh, she was always loving and giving and helped me. And whenever I had a kid, she stayed home from work. Stayed with me for a week after I got And that's a lot of staying at home. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yes, it was. But she was great with the kids and everything. And she just was so thrilled with you grandchildren. And I understand that because now I'm thrilled with my grandchildren. Right. Every single one of them. Well, a, there's another 
again, she was gone early in my life, but one of my yes. earliest memories also was talk about a strong, fierce woman. We were, she was babysitting or maybe she was upstairs in their apartment. And, mm -hmm. uh, one of my older siblings was babysitting, but somebody broke into our basement. And then you know, were, one of the older brothers and sisters said, we got to go get grandma. And so they went and got Jen and she got a broom and went after the guy and chased him out of the basement. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> she go had, get him. And she had no idea whether he was armed or anything right, like that. Right. A, a lioness. Was, Yes, yes, yes. That's how she was. Right. <laughs> and uh, it, it was uh, just wonderful to have, have her there. I, I mean, my sister and I liked having uh, Busha in, in the house with us. Yeah. And Busha always set the, the pace because she, when she got dressed up, she got dressed up, Adeline. I mean, she had the most fabulous collection of hats, for example, to wear to church on Sunday and or any other uh, event that they went to. And they were very social people. I mean, they had a, a circle of friends and they were joiners. I mean, they belong. I mean, to this day, I'm a member of the Sokoe, which is the Polish Balkans of America. And I still get the magazine and everything. I mean, I, you know, thanks to Busha and Grandpa because she was in it all the way in. I mean, she had the uniform and everything because they mm -hmm. would march in parades and stuff like that. And she'd get dressed up in that uniform and she and her uh, and her girlfriends, you know. So and, when you kind of started coming into your own, uh, in the mid fifties, you know, people who are listening, this I'm sure, uh, are familiar with the series Mad Men. Oh yeah. Um, um oh, yes. <laughs> and you know, that was kind of the world that you grew into. Um, right. and at least as far as I know, <laughs> you were having none of that. <laughs> um right the well, way the way the women are portrayed or treated in that um talk to me about what what it was like having come from s such strong female stock who mm -hmm. were independent and doing their own thing and then you're coming up in a a time you know where that that subservient obedient wife thing is still kind of in play uh, well i'll tell you that was in because when Mad Men came on <laughs> i i just i almost fainted because i had the girl that played the uh, young girl uh who eventually grew to an uh, be an account executive the elizabeth moss, moss character her clothes came out of my 1950s closet, mm -hmm. hats and everything. And uh, that office was very much like the job I uh, got into after I left college. And I, it was amazing. The men were terrible, uh, which we kind of like overlooked a lot of that because that's how men were back in the day. And 
snotty remarks, you know, about how you looked and one thing and another. And it was just, you know, you had to let that kind of stuff roll off your back because it just went on constantly. But uh, what happened uh, when I uh, got married, I kind of bought into that initially. Living the dream. Well, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's because what was interesting when I was getting married, it was like the merger of two dynasties in our neighborhood. 1956. Yeah, that's right. So I kind of went along and, you know, uh, your father was a, a good provider and always managed to make sure that we had what we needed. And sometimes I wish he would have made other decisions, but that's all water under the bridge and there's no point in bringing it up. But, uh, but we always had enough. And uh, I think at first he was real tickled to have a son and a daughter. And then it started occurring to him that we had all these kids. But he, he, you know, he, he was thrilled to have them. And I'll never forget one uh, incident when we were on our way to uh, Auntie Esther and Uncle Henry's with all of the kids. Or no, we were, we were on our way to visit your aunt who is still a nun and we had they were all in their easter outfits all of you kids and you were all lined up sitting in the back seat because there were no seat belts back then and the car seats that they had were worthless Mm -hmm. (laughs) they were just cute toys that had little uh little steering wheels on them and stuff like that but uh we got stopped for speeding on ashland avenue and the cop came over looked in the car and he said them all your babies <laughs> and your dad said well yeah you know <laughs> and he gave him a pass and let him go <laughs> right which i thought was quite telling but uh so i you know was caught up in this you know a uh, good catholic mother and everything else but i think your dad saw that i was chomping at the bit and there was something that i needed inside of me to fulfill Mm-hmm. So uh, it, he, we talked about it, and he suggested uh, that I get my credits together and maybe finish my degree, which I did. And I have a picture of all of you kids coming to my college graduation. Mm-hmm. And I was so glad I accomplished that. And after that, then I got a teaching job right at your school. And your older brother had a fit that I was working there because I'd always catch him being thrown out in the hallway because he was carrying on too much. But he said, why do you have to work here? (laughs) I said, I like it. (laughs) Well, he didn't have you for a teacher, which (laughs) you were my fifth grade teacher, which, you know, has left some scars, but they're all good. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, and I had your cousins and and my girlfriend's kids and everybody. I mean, right. But I loved that job, and I felt I did it well. And I I like to think that my mom had a hand in that because she always was was such a such a, a good teacher, just with me and my friends and Chuch and everything. She always knew what to say, and I would always ask her to help me out when I was in a tough spot to come up with the right thing to say. 
So she was an extremely big influence on me, even after she was gone. Right. And I, <clears throat> and I still think of her for a lot of stuff because I right. still have my high school kids over here that, uh, you know, sometimes you have to think of the right thing to say to them too. And she always inspires me. Okay. So, so I, and so now the, your circle of friends, um, you know, you grew up with a crew that you remained close to and friends with your whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you didn't all live in the same city forever, but Mm -hmm. close. And, you know, that's one of the things that I'm fortunate to have too, is a lot of friends who I don't live in the same town anymore, but all close. Uh Anyway, as you saw your friends growing and getting married, and I'm asking this question because as we would go to your and dad's friends' homes, there was a whole different vibe going on there (laughs) in terms of like, you'd go to some, you'd go there and, you know, then when it was time to eat, the men in those families sat down and waited to be served Mm -hmm. (laughs) and didn't play, didn't play, didn't play any role in preparing meals or cleaning up dishes afterwards. And I think in in our home, I don't know if that's just, I know it's because that's how you, you and daddy did it, but it's probably also from having sisters um, that, that brushed off, I'm sure. But, um, what was, what were your, you don't have to name names here, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but what were your thoughts about what you saw in terms of some of your friends' marriages and their role as a mother and a wife in their homes versus yours where, you know, our dad had a lot of stuff going on but you know he Mm -hmm. was strong enough to say go go get Mm -hmm. it done and supported you in it you know and i Uh applaud him for that but yeah but so talk to me about that but what 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 are your thoughts on some of that well you know i'll tell you something like the the gals that i went to first grade with at at that time everybody had six kids or at least four you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) everybody had a big family and uh, they just went with uh, the way they, what they saw when they grew up. And uh, that, but don't, you know. But don't so you think, don't you think at a certain point in, in that day and age in the mid 60s is, you know, uh-huh. the sexual revolution and ERA and all that kind of stuff yeah, was yeah. going on. Don't you think at some point there would be some independent, like, Things got to change here. No, they would. They would always wait for me to say what we were going to do. And <laughs> I remember, you know, my Eleanor, my dear friend Eleanor. She she said one time she said uh, she was talking to her mother in law, and she the mother in law said, "Well, aren't you guys going to go here or do that or anything?" And she said, "No, Norman didn't say anything." <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I had to lead the pack. So that said, I. I used to, you know, try to be the first one to do something. I mean, we went out to, because we had club. We would go play cards, you know, and all of that together. And we would go out once a year for a big date. And that was the first time I wore hot pants. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
I can't believe I did that. Mother of six children, good Catholic mother. And I'm going <laughs> and out. And this is what year? 70? Oh, this was like in the, yeah, in the 70s or something like that, you know. So it was, but just stuff like that. And they would, they would like wait for me to set the pace or something mm-hmm. like that. I, I, I dug it, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have that kind of ego that, you know, hey, this is all right. And what what was the most interesting thing in the circle of friends that we had in Bridgeport, many of them I went to grade school with and was bullied by them to some extent. And then all of a sudden I'm like, hey, she's she's going to tell us what to do. And we're going to do this because Normandy said, you know, stuff like that. Right. So that was that was a kind of a switcheroo. But, you know, it was interesting. but. You know, as far as motherhood was concerned at that time, I was always proud of all my kids because by that time you were all in school and you were all doing pretty well. I mean, I I was, uh, uh, you know, thrilled with the way everybody found their niche. Everybody, you know, uh, figured out kind of getting closer and closer to understanding who you were as individuals. And I thought that was sensational. And uh, I just, I was so proud and loved you guys, even though, you know, when I turned around and smacked somebody, uh, it was because I loved you. Uh-huh. But, you know, you know my as- mom was, my mother was quick with the smack in the mouth and I deserved every one of them. I'll tell you that. Yeah. yeah. Because as I, I was, was, as I was preparing mm-hmm. for our conversation, I was debating whether to put any kind of music on the beginning or, you know, whatever, other than my uh-huh. usual intro music. Uh-huh. And I thought I should try to see if there's a royalty free, meaning you wouldn't, you could use it freely without uh-huh. having to pay the publisher uh-huh. um, of what the world needs now. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you guys are going to sing that at my funeral, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because when we were kids, if we were fighting, you would break into that song. Yeah, right. Give us a couple of bars. <laughs> what the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little love. What the world needs now, love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. <laughs> and and so can't we use some of that today? Yeah, <laughs> boy, I'll say. But um, that's a, that's the best thing to do is love everybody, you know. Yeah, yeah. So and I I found that with my mom because she was never prejudiced against any group. Mm-hmm. She welcomed everyone. She interacted with everyone. And when we were when you guys were coming up, I know you remember. I mean, one time Peter said, "Do we always have to have guests for Easter and Christmas?" Yeah. And I said, "Yeah, we do." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you and by not just guests, not like cousin Polly or yeah, you know, right? Oh, uh, well, that was uh, a Bernie Krause, who Dad worked with. Yeah, um, it, you <laughs> right. were you would literally bring strays in people that you knew who were uh-huh. like students living yeah. out of state, couldn't get home, yeah. and so complete strangers. Right, which which was really kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and uh, I you know I always felt like, oh, those guys should have some kind of family around them. And it was always fun. 
I mean, even Mr. Foster came to our house mm-hmm. for Christmas <laughs> one year and, and, you know, Christmas dinner. And a very nerdy, said, a very yeah, nerdy <laughs> teacher who yeah. all of my brothers and but, sisters like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> no, and that poor guy was all alone, you know. Yeah, yeah. And we had to show him some love, you know. Right. And that's how my mom was, though. And she just, you know, welcomed everyone, embraced everyone. And uh, a couple times that sort of thing got me in trouble, but not that bad that I wanted to not right. do it ever again. But, uh, but, and I see that in my girls now, in my daughters, and mm-hmm. my daughters-in-law, as a matter of fact, where they uh, they reach out and they help others, they do for others, they welcome everyone. Uh, I mean, you know, just when you stop and think about the Christmas uh, days that Amy and Spence have, when they invited kids from the, uh, from Great Lakes, little young kids who were in the Navy and let them call their mothers and everything and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And Mary Jane, God, she embraces everyone. Mm-hmm. And does for everyone. And Sally is the same way. She's so compassionate in the work she does as a human resources person. Right. And she's terrific. They're all marvelous mothers. And I always try to send Mary Jane a Mother's Day card because she's got just 150,000 kids. Right. In she the, LA, the school LA school district. district. Yep. <laughs> so yep. those are her children. Hello? Um, hey, I'm in the middle of something right now. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I guess we'll be back right after this. Hey, do you have an interesting story to tell about your life or your business and how you got into it? Maybe you know somebody who does, or maybe you've got an idea about a topic that might be interesting or funny to have a conversation about. Hey, if you do, shoot me an email to info at you don't say dot net. Again, that's info at you don't say dot net or post a comment on our Facebook page. We're at YDS Stories. Again, that's YDS Stories on Facebook. And hey, maybe I'll be talking to you soon. And then I looked at our new moms, our Gretchen and Kirby, uh, my granddaughter-in-laws, and my boys chose women just like their mother, mm-hmm. loving and giving and, you know, easy, easy to raise children. And, you know, st- so I just feel like I'm glad to see that the chain is, is continues, you know. And I said that to uh, I said that to Amy one time because she's the only one of the the girls that's a grandmother right now. But Emma was her first one, and that little girl is a piece of work. I'll tell you that. Right. But that's when I told her. I said, "Oh my God, Amy, she's one of us." <laughs> right. So look out, world. <laughs> we got it <laughs> moving up, moving forward. Right, and I I think whether. Well, I don't know. From some of my uncles on my dad's side, I didn't see a whole lot of that out of, out of those guys. Um, but my dad, he had that going too because I remember working in his shop in the you know these old farts in the neighborhood, 
Uh-huh. It'd be noon and, you know, they're loaded and they'd walk in. Hey, Richie, how's it going? Yeah, <laughs> you know, and he'd sit him down and make him a hot dog and give him a cup yeah, of coffee right. and, uh, or, or, you know, pay him a few bucks uh-huh. to take the garbage out or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wonder how much of that just rubbed off from those women, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I, my brothers have it, too. Mm-hmm. And oh, I, because oh, yeah. here's the thing is the neighborhood we grew up in, um, it's a great neighborhood, uh, but I think so. <laughs> there were a lot of, uh, there was a lot of prejudice in our neighborhood, Ooh. ignorant prejudice, um, that if th- I can tell you this, that I know people who came out of that same neighborhood and never lost that stuff, that prejudice, mm-hmm. that ugliness. Um, um, and I think because of you guys, uh, and I, I'll just speak for myself because they, they had the biggest influence on me is you and my grandfather, just the, the willingness to do that. Just, I don't mm-hmm. care what color you are, what, mm-hmm. yeah, where, where you kneel and pray doesn't matter to me, uh-huh. you know? Um, so that I think is a beautiful thing that all of your kids took forward. So I, yes, yes. I'm proud of that. I really am. So, yeah. yeah. Because like I said, yeah. I, I, I still talk to some of those people occasionally, whether intentionally or I just <laughs> happen into <laughs> them. If I'm prayers, visiting, eh? <laughs> if I'm, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm, if I happen into them, you know, when I'm visiting Chicago or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's just like, I talk to them, I'm like, Holy crap wake up buddy (laughs) you know go go take a trip somewhere and see something different but yeah anyway so so now um i i want to have a little bit of a rough question because in any big family we have loss right and we have seen it nieces nephews you know gone Mm grandchildren, et cetera. How, mm-hmm. how, what's your take on dealing with that as a mother? Oh, that's hard. <clears throat> Cause I, two, my son-in-law and my daughter-in-law who left us, I loved them like they were my own. Yep. And if you need to take a breath, let me know. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Because when I think of my Patricia and what a beautiful gal she was and what a beautiful job she did raising those two boys, Joey's sons, mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I think of her often and I put her on a prayer list here and there, you know, when we go to church. And the same thing with Tim. He, he went way, way too soon. Right, right. And uh, he, I, I think of him often, and I very often put him on the prayer list for right. deceased uh, members of the family. And I think that he left a positive mark on Mary Jane. I think that, you know, my daughter, that was the love of her life. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's my observation. But uh, because of being married to him, he always supported her, whatever she wanted to do and mm-hmm. was kind and loving and, and took care of his mom. And he was like that, that, that fit in so beautifully. And that's why his loss was so devastating. 
And my Anastasia, oh my God, to this day, I have little pictures of her all around the house because she's my little angel. Right. And, uh, you so know. The, these things that we're talking about right now, not things, mm-hmm. these people we lost, uh-huh. a, a lot of people that, that breaks them, right? Yeah. It can just break them. And one mm-hmm. of the things that, has always I've marveled at is, you know, how strong you and my sister and family were going through this stuff to just, uh-huh. you know, come out on the other side and uh-huh. be able to laugh again, be able to go forward. And do you, what do you think your mother and your grandmothers gave you that you were able to give them that helped them with that? Well, I'll tell you something: the, their faith. Is it was a huge part of that because um, they, for example, my mom just believed that you know when you die you 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 talk to the Lord and He lets you in you know and I'm sure that she got the the royal treatment when that time came and same thing with my dad but uh, and uh, I feel that that Pat had that kind of faith. And I know that Tim did too, because just as his final hours, the chaplain from the fire department was sitting with him. Mm-hmm. Uncle Ray used to sit with yep. him too I remember. and yep. helped him prepare. So I think that the belief in the afterlife and, and you know, whatever that's going to be, but there is something beyond. Whistling and fishing in heaven. That's what he's yep. doing. That's <laughs> right, for sure. And uh, so I just, I feel like, that helps sustain us all. And I find that with uh, Jack and Nick, you know, and with them being with their mother to the very last minute. And I think that that's how they got past it too, because mm-hmm. both of them have strong faith. And I think that that has a lot to do with it. And uh, I, you know, I uh, think about those uh, that we lost and I love them still. And, I know that they had an impact on our family in a very good way. Right. Um, Now, because of the world we live in as well, and a lot of people choose not to practice any kind of faith or religion or anything like that. Uh And what would you say to a young mom, you know, coming from that perspective about how to handle loss because inevitably loss happens, Uh you know, it may not be direct, you know, your own child or a niece or nephew, but you deal with loss Mm -hmm. through your life. But what, what's your perspective Mm -hmm. in in that context? Well, number one, I wouldn't uh, lay a bunch of platitudes on them because that, you know, He's in a better place or it all happens for a reason or one thing and another. Uh, but uh, celebrate the life that you had with that person and take from that celebration the things that that person gave you for the rest of your life. Because that's what keeps you going and that's what keeps you reminded of how much you love that person, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh I think about, you know, I think about how Tim always loved his sports and everything else and how he just 
was there for Mary Jane no matter what, you know? And she mm-hmm. was, of course, there for him through the whole thing. But, you know, just take those nuggets from from your your experience with them while they were still here and move it forward, you know? Right. Because you can't change what happens. You can't change the fact that he didn't get melanoma and you can't change the fact that she didn't get lung cancer. Right. But you can you can see how... And you know what? Both of them went out as class acts. Right. Both of them. And, right. and Anastasia, I'm sure that she just went straight up to heaven in the little angel. Right. Um, now, a little brighter topic, maybe, I hope. Oh, <laughs> um, good. I hope so, too, because um, I... You know, no, I'm mentioned the verge of tears here for off and on the whole right. time. I, I mentioned the you're you're being a teacher and a mentor. And mm-hmm. um I like when we were talking about doing this interview, I mentioned the kid in my class when I was in fifth grade in your class, and you were my teacher, mm-hmm. um, which uh was a it was an experience, but um, mm-hmm. there was a yeah. kid in our class who everybody kind of, you know, fifth graders being fifth graders, he kid got picked on because he always mm-hmm. smelled like urine. Uh-huh. You know, his, his yeah. the uniforms were blue pants and white shirts and his shirts were always just kind of yellow and nasty and um, uh-huh. hid bad hygiene. And he was, he was, uh, a wild he kid. He had scotch tape on him, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, scotch tape glasses, and you know, um, not real well behaved. And I saw that that made an impact on me as a fifth grader watching you hug the kid. You know, yeah. um, and the, the I know that's not the only kid you ever did that with. Mm-hmm. A lot of kids talk to me about being a mother and mothering other kids. Oh, that's, that comes easy. I mean, well, I I don't know if you remember what we used to do this in fifth grade, but we would uh, pick a kid out and give him the treatment. And the treatment was, you have to come up with every wonderful thing you can say about this kid and uh, just let them know that you're their friend and, you know, you like them and everything. And when it was his turn to get the treatment, by gar, every kid came up with a thing to say to him that was positive. And he didn't, he was bewildered by that. Mm-hmm. But he, and I think after that, he, he walked a little taller. I want to believe that. And I, you know, I didn't have any trouble hugging him. He was, a, he was a sweet, poor kid, you know. And you know, like they say in Polish, shut up, you know, like a little orphan child almost. Mm-hmm. But but uh, I think that that meant a lot. And, you know, later on, uh, you remember a restaurant called The Winery there that yep. was on 31st yep. Street? He yep. was a busboy there. And I came, I, I went there for lunch one time when he was working. And he, he gave me special treatment, uh, you know, at, at that luncheon. I got my water filled all, the, you know, and extra bread and, you know, everything that he could do to make it special for me. And I'll never forget that. Right. Well, I know some of the kids that I was in fifth grade with, I still connect with, you know, Uh on some rare occasions. 
And all those kids were like, your mom was the best teacher ever. So you, you, <laughs> you had a, you had a big wave that you made, you know? Well, I um, still have, you know, like Diane on my Facebook. Right. And, right. My classmate, and Diane. When, we, yep. when uh, George and I were in California this past winter, Mary Jane had Annalisa, Miss Saluno's niece, right. was there with her husband, and I was so floored. But it was so good to see her, and she said, oh, I just love being in your class. And I didn't even think about that anymore after mm-hmm. afterward. And the other one that was there was Bill, you know, remember Bill Kennick? Right. He, was, he uh, was in college. He, he was, was another one of my shit up, right. you know, from right. IIT. He was there. And the, the party was supposed to be like a brunch from noon to five. I think Bill left at 930 at night, along with a couple of other people. But it was so much fun to have him there because he had so many problems and he really needed somebody to give him positive you know, regard. And I still, you know, Tony Smith is another one from IIT that kid calls regularly and, uh, you know, want, wants to, he called to make sure that George and I were staying home and being careful and everything. Mm-hmm. And he's by himself, you know? So I never turned him down. And he always wants to know how Mary Jane's doing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that's kind of cute. And Mary yeah. Jane will talk to him, you know, if she's here or I'm there and he, yeah. you know, makes a call. Because that's very uh, exciting for him to talk to Mary Jane. <laughs> so she, feeds that you know (laughs) but that's because she's my girl and she knows what to do you know (laughs) right right you've done them you've created a a a bunch of a good women you did yeah so five generations um six right yeah that you've because your your grandmothers your mother you your daughters your nieces uh uh-huh or your um your uh step not step granddaughters your your granddaughters in law uh-huh. um and then you know my great granddaughter you're 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 relatively young <laughs> at eighty five <laughs> you're a young eighty five you are really you know who I'd knows like maybe maybe, so. maybe you'll see your great grandchild become a yeah. mother yeah. Well, I, you know, that, that doesn't seem real likely, but I do want to see them, uh, you know, grow up a little bit. And, and I just, uh, as I say to people, I I know how old I am and everything, and I I haven't got that much time left, but I haven't, I, I, I'm too nosy to quit yet because I got to see what's going to happen. You know, right. right. The (laughs) joke used to be Normandy illustrated. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you needed news on the neighborhood. You call Norman. Yes, anyway, right. so so it, as we kind of wrap this up, what what is your, um, what are a couple of your pearls of wisdom for the young moms out there? Oh, and this is one thing that I mentioned to the girls when they were, you know, when the baby showers were taking place. I said, you know, it's good to read up on you know, all of this stuff and everything. But after you become a mother, throw those books away because you have to remember you have a benchmark maybe to use, you know, from what you've read. But every baby is different. Every baby will go at their own pace. 
and don't keep comparing them with anybody else. I they used to drive me nuts when when uh, you guys were babies and the young moms would get the buggy brigade out and everything else. And they said, well, my kids trained already at nine months. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that baby trained you is <laughs> more or less right, what right. it's like. And, or, uh, you know, oh, my kid can read already. Well, what they do is they, they like their favorite books and they memorize them. And, mm-hmm. and George talks about that all the time that his girls used to read to him. Because they yeah. memorize the storybook, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So let each kid go at their own pace. And if indeed there is an issue, let it, focus on, on what the issue is and what you can do to enhance that child's life. Because that's what you're here for. And when you have children of your own, you have to be sensitive to that kind of thing. And how about not? punishing yourself oh yes definitely definitely like you are not a failure if your kid isn't toilet trained at one year old or off the bottle or anything like that they then get there they'll they'll be all right i used to be a wreck with your older brother with your brother joe because he was the first one and he was my the learning curve there was high you know Mm -hmm. But uh, by the time you came along, the youngest one, I didn't worry about a lot of things like that because I figured, eh, he'll, he'll figure it out. He'll want the, it. The reality is, Ma, you didn't have to because I was exceptional from the beginning. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> we know this. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I talked to, in the last episode, I talked to my friend, Al. Remember the guy with, yes. with one arm? Yes, he was, he was phenomenal. That I kid. talked to him. Um, in the last episode and he's the youngest Mm -hmm. of eight. Uh And so we were laughing (laughs) about it. What I said, I know I have at least one baby picture in the albums. Do you? He's like, "Uh, (laughs) I I don't, I honestly don't know. (laughs) No, you got more than one. I, I'm making packets of it to send around. I think I sent you a packet of pictures, didn't I? Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Ma, thank you so much for sharing all these memories and insights and wisdom. And hopefully somebody out there will hear it and it'll sink in and they'll be able to take that forward. Thank you for making six fantastic kids. Well, that's my six pack. That's what I'm proud of. Yeah. And happy Mother's Day. And I will talk to you on Saturday again, but not on this podcast. Yeah. Okay. Well, don't forget how much I love you, son. All right. Love you too. Okay. Bye-bye. Ta-ta. <laughs> Thanks for listening in. To listen to more episodes... Visit us online at youdon'tsay.net. If you have a story to tell, if you know somebody who does, or if you just have a few ideas on topics you'd like to hear conversations about, shoot us an email to info at youdon'tsay.net. Thanks again, and we'll see you in the next episode.